Hi, welcome to Uncanny. This is a podcast where we talk about small town urban legends. We seek to understand what our supernatural legends say about us as human beings. So basically, we research the legends, where they come from, and discuss why they scare us. We also talk about how legends reveal certain fears about people and society. So my name is Gwen. And I'm Caridwen. And this week we're going to talk about the hollow block monster. This legend was popular in the 1950s and 60s in Portland, Indiana. So I grew up with a poster um, on my wall of this hollow block monster that an artist created. Um, it's kind of like been a local legend because we're from Portland. Uh, so, Karen, I want you to tell me a little bit about Portland now and what it was like in the 50s, and then tell me what this hollow block monster story is. So, Portland is a town of roughly 6,000 people. Portland in 1950 is a lot like Portland in 2020. So, it's roughly has about 6,000 people in it, um, mostly white, um, <laughs> very conservative people. Nowadays, um, back in 1950, it was as well. Everybody knows everybody's business. Um, I would say 2020, Portland people really appreciate history, I think. Um, the downtown has a lot of the old buildings. Um, there are some renovations that have been going on. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much the same now as it was then. Okay. So... Now tell me about the story itself. Like, tell me about the hollow block monster. Okay, okay. so in 1960, uh, these five young men were going out on a little fishing adventure um, at the local lake, the hollow block lake. Um, and uh, a few hours into their fishing trip, uh, they kept hearing these, like, noises, like bubbles, splashing, all this kind of stuff, and it started getting a little creepy for them. Well, out of the blue, around midnight, they heard a scream, like a banshee scream or a woman's scream. Um, One person actually described it as being like a bunch of children screaming, which is kind of terrifying. But out of the blue, they saw this uh, big gray monster about the size of half of a car. Huge. Huge. Ginormous. Um, Yeah, it scared all of them uh their his head was really square and weird which makes me think of minecraft but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah they ran screaming and told some police about it so that's that's about it okay so first i want to talk about how you said fishing trip (laughs) you're like they went on their fishing trip (laughs) wink wink (laughs) i love how it's reported as a fishing trip and then you talk about how around midnight like, who fishes that who late? Who fishes that late? I don't yeah. know. Like, I, I'm not saying. <laughs> we don't know for sure. I'm not saying it was anything. But, I don't know. It just sounds weird to yeah. hear, like, I don't know. Do people fish? I don't fish. I, I don't fish either. <laughs> do, people, do people fish at midnight? I don't I, even know. I have no idea. Um, it just sounded like that was a little funny. And the way yeah. that you, the way that you, like, fishing read it, it was trip. like a fishing <laughs> trip. Um, so, besides that. What common motifs do you see in this? So by motifs, I mean some common elements that we see in other horror stories or supernatural legends, such as you think of, like, woman in white, hook hand, that kind of stuff. They have a lot of um, similar things. 
to well, other ones across the country. Water, for one. I mean, Definitely. obviously, there are a lot of horror stories, movies, books, whatever, about water, which I'm scared of water myself, so yes. I understand. But, I mean, swamp monster, um, sirens, all that. I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. I think it's really interesting how the story, like, the newspaper itself mentioned the sound of a banshee screaming. So, it's very much calling to that fear aspect in the audience, in their audience. Um, but really what's interesting to me is how the fear itself doesn't seem to be in the stories, the newspaper accounts. Mm-hmm. So they talk about how the young people were scared and like they ran away and whatever. Um, but the newspapers don't try to dismiss it. They're not like, well, except one from Muncie that talks about maybe it being something else. Um, But mostly it's just like, this monster appeared, it was scary, and it happened. And then it talks about how throngs of people came to see it, like trying to catch it for weeks, months after that. So it's very interesting to me how there isn't a mass fear about it, there's a mass curiosity about it. What do you think that reveals about either people or Portland at the time? How do you think this, like, do you think this story could have been useful for some people? Yeah, I think it, I think it affected tourism really well. I mean, a lot of local restaurants had, like, burgers and drinks named after the Hollow Black Monster. So... Uh, for example, I feel like, I think there was like a milkshake at one of the. Oh, gross. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> disgusting. Um, but yeah, so I think tourism definitely benefited um, local businesses, for sure. I mean, people came from all over the United States to see this, which is pretty crazy. But um, they actually only visited for about two weeks before, like the, like you said, that Muncie um, reporter said that it was probably a bloated calf, which doesn't really make just any sense. Just screamed. To me. <laughs> Just screamed. The bloated calf screamed. <laughs> I imagine like gases being released. That's and it's true. Like, <laughs> I don't know how that would work, but I I don't know. And I only saw like the the scientific air quotes explanations are really buried within the articles that are talking about like look how cool this is. Come yeah. to Portland to see yeah. this cool so just monster. It. Mm-hmm. So it definitely seems to me more like, like you said, tourism? Like advertisement. Come to our town. Come see this monster. I'm just curious what people at the time actually thought about this. Yeah. Like, were they actually afraid of it? Did they believe it? Or, like I said, the newspaper accounts make it seem like a fun thing. Yeah. I mean, seriously, they, they're all saying... This monster did this. This monster was there that. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, they're not just taking the accounts of these people. They're describing it as the monster was actually there. Yes. Um, so, with similar stories, like when you think of Swamp Thing or Swamp Monsters and, uh, and then in Europe, Loch Ness, stuff like that, it's very fear-based. Yeah. Um, when I think of Nessie, though, I don't think of fear. But Nessie's cute. I, th- I think there's definitely been fear around Nessie. But it's just weird to see the difference and wonder why that story developed this way in Portland. Um, 
are there any variations that exist in newspapers like different like is it ever described differently yeah so um the hollow block sighting was in august of 1960 but there was actually a sighting two months previously in lynn indiana where this farmer was minding his business on his farm and he was by this well and he kept hearing these weird splashing sounds once again sounds familiar um and he peeked over and saw this monster that was trying to crawl out of the well and he described it as being mushroom colored and having eight tentacles with lobster-like claws uh it's very disturbing and very specific that very co- specific that color is mushroom very, colored very specific. i don't i don't know if that's like a 1960 description yeah. thing <laughs> i mean like <laughs> Was it was it popularly described things as mushroom colored? <laughs> I don't know. I don't hear that. It's a really ugly color. Yes, it okay. is. I don't know. He's, can you imagine mushroom colored claws? Ew. I don't know why that's gross. Um, so it's interesting that it moved too. Like people are thinking that this moved from a well to this lake. It's weird that they connected the two. And it is. Yeah. Um, imagine like how did it get there? You think that. Like, how do people rationalize that it got there? I don't there? know. I honestly don't know. If <laughs> just, just drove its like, little car. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I mean, if it's half the size of a car, it's still fitting one. There right? we go, right? <laughs> or maybe it moves That's as fast as one. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> just screaming the whole way down the road. <laughs> Usually, I would ask how, like, what this fear reveals about people in the town, what people think. and Because a lot of the time, fears uh, of certain things reveal vulnerability in people. Mm-hmm. But with such little fear actually surrounding this, I don't know... If that's a good question to if ask. If that's a good question to ask. Because I, I don't see the vulnerability, except maybe economic vulnerability, yeah. where there, people of Portland are like, how can we use this to our benefit, benefit yeah, our yeah. business? Mm-hmm. Um, so I also find it interesting how this story creates kind of a haunted space a kind of like recognizable space because they yeah. named it after the hollow block mm-hmm. lake yeah it's just they, they create that that connection mm-hmm. to space and so even though the monster was only sighted what once yeah there, supposedly yeah. it's still known for that yes um when it was originally a clay pit behind a factory so factory workers would dispose of, you know, leftover clay, whatever they were working with back there. So, like, the fact that it was that for years before this, and yet now it's identified as, you know, Hallbach Monster Lake. I mean, that's pretty freaky. So, there's a whole thing in, in folklore that's understanding scientific rationalism. So... Usually when people tell ghost stories or supernatural stories, they incorporate, like, um, the scientific rationalism. (laughs) I know it's very descriptive. Um, Basically trying to back themselves up, saying, like, it couldn't have been a breeze because the window was closed, that kind of thing. So at the time, I only saw that Muncie paper that was trying to back up, like, some sort of rational explanation for what this was. But mostly... There wasn't any. So, because of that, what do you think it was? In all honesty, 
I really can't say. I mean, it could have been just an extra large fish. I mean, these men, we're on a fishing trip after all. <laughs> um, we have no idea what was going on at midnight um, by a lake behind a factory in Portland. Um, so, honestly, I'm not sure. I mean, I think it just could have been uh, alcohol, the alcohol affecting their brains. Maybe they saw a really large fish. Um, maybe some of the clay bubbled up. I mean, it was a clay pit, after all, before it was a lake. Perhaps maybe True. clay came up and they were drunk and, you know, who knows. But with the farmer, you know, with that whole story, uh, that one I really have no That one's, like, almost for. more more mysterious. Cause, <laughs> for sure. I mean, who knows what that farmer was up to. Exactly. But. <laughs> and there, there was only one guy there, so. I so mean, there's no multiple people to back exactly. that up. Um, what do you think it was? I don't know. I hadn't thought of anything rational that it could have been. But once you mentioned the clay, that kind of makes sense. Because who knows, like, what other people were throwing into it and what could have come up. Mm -hmm. Especially if they actually were fishing and they're, like... Dredging, like, getting Dredging, I don't know. And then even if, like, if alcohol was involved or if it wasn't, the human mind so often tries to make some like make sense of something especially at night yeah Yeah. i think of like back in colonial america when people saw animals that they didn't understand white people so then they would like describe them and send the description back to europe and especially germany germany created these like uh illustrations of based on the description and there were these wacky things (laughs) totally wacky things And then people started saying that they were seeing those things. Yeah. Even though obviously they weren't. They were seeing But like, they believed that But they, they believed they did. So. And so I wonder maybe it could be like their minds trying to make sense yeah. of something. Especially in the 1950s and 60s. How a lot of sci-fi and horror monsters were yeah. coming about. The Blob came out. Exactly. I think in like 1959. I don't know. Something. <laughs> um so I wonder, with that being so prominent in culture, if that was something that could have affected what they were seeing or what they thought they were seeing, or if they wanted to be a part of that culture that was arising. Um, I think that culture mostly exists from, you know, this was the beginning of the Cold War era. Um, people really feared nuclear war, um, effects of nuclear weapons. And so a lot of stories from this time are about, like, what if something was affected by yeah. nuclear waste or something like that? Aliens were also aliens, yeah. So coming into I wonder if that has something to do with it, and that's mm-hmm. why there was less fear. It was more cool. We're we're part of this kind of uh, national pop culture movement that's yeah. arising. Um, it's fascinating. So. We already talked about cultural effects, you know, the hot dog tentacles named hollow block yes. monster. <laughs> no, I don't know. Minecraft that. looking thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so this story has kind of just survived through Portland's history. People just talk about it. Like I said, that poster I've had up. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, in 1972, well, in the 1970s, I should say, uh, a car show actually started mm-hmm. in Portland, which was named after Hollow Block. So it was the Hollow Block Car Show, which is really interesting too, because after after the police dismissed, you know, the monster as being a bloated calf, tourism kind of died down a little bit, 
And so, quite a bit, actually. Um, so it's really interesting to me that 10 years later, um, after the curiosity had kind of died down, they named a car show after it. They're like, how can we milk this story some more? <laughs> I don't want to imagine milking that monster. Oh, but, God. No. <laughs> um, I think it has lasting cultural effects, but as the newspaper accounts of the time reflect, it's still kind of that fun aspect of it. Yeah. There's no fear to it. There's no fear no. to it now, certainly, mm-hmm. that exists. No, certainly I mean, not. I wouldn't walk by that lake at midnight, yeah. but well, I, I mean, wouldn't walk by any lake at midnight. I believe <laughs> the lake is no longer in there. Okay. So uh, that space, I think, is just flat, maybe even a field. I'm not sure. I, I know that they filled it in, but... But why? <laughs> That's true. <Ooh. laughs> so, can we say whether the hollow block monster existed or not? No. I, nope. I don't think we can. No. <laughs> I don't think it's our place to decide, and I don't think that's what this podcast should be. No, I think we mystery. should tell these stories... Yeah. Talk about what scares us, what mm-hmm. scares the townspeople, yep. why it scares us, mm-hmm. and that's it. It's perfect. I mean, I think we are not judges here. No, <laughs> I mean, who knows what was going on in 1960? Some <laughs> funky stuff, that's for sure. <laughs> What's happened in 2020? <laughs> okay, so that's all we have today. Join us next time to talk about. Who knows what? Some other small town monster and maybe some other um, interesting food creations that come from that. Maybe a podcast in itself. <laughs> that burger called that that Banshee Burger. That Banshee Burger. Anyway. <laughs> Join us next time. Until then, be scared. Scare yourself. Scare your friends. <laughs> and have fun with it. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.